Hello and welcome to the Chris and Bud Show. My name is Chris Scarborough, and with me is my co-host, my friend, and my brother in pod, Mr. Bud Bohannon. Together we'll be taking you on a nostalgic ride discussing a wide array of topics from our childhood through today, hoping to share a bunch of laughs along the way. My name is Chris. And I am Bud. And today we're going to be talking about a couple systems here. Uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis. Just kind of going through time spent with these consoles and some of the video games that we enjoyed on them. We're going to start talking about, I guess, our first memories of childhood and how we got introduced to video games in general. Bud, you want to lead off with us? Yeah. So for me, video games, I picked up as early as a kid. I lived not so much in a community. I kind of lived by myself. For me, it was a little bit harder to go out and do normal kid things like, you know, riding a bike and playing all kinds of different games with other children of your neighborhood, you know, like playing out in the street and stuff. So for me, I was definitely glued to the TV as a kid and video games became that main source of my attention. Um, I had a sister growing up. So, you know, me being a boy and having a sister, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on much. You know, she's playing with Barbie dolls and drawing and that kind of stuff. But we did watch movies together and that's about as far as our common interest went. So for me, it was definitely video games. How about you, Chris? Yeah, so for me, uh, it was kind of weird. When I was a kid, definitely was when I was with my grandpa and my my uncles. Most of that stuff happened, though, when I would go to visit them for like Christmas or some special occasion, whenever my dad decided we were going to go up there and visit. So I didn't really have a console until I was five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. Um, I had a brother, so all of my video games had to be two-player, just kind of the way it was. We really didn't get like super into video games until much later, but obviously we did have a lot of experience with some of these consoles simply if not, for no other reason than when we'd visit our grandpa. Uh, it'd be something that we could do to get away from all the other stuff we were doing. Like He had like a uh, small farm, so we kind of like goof off with him a little bit outside. He used to like, to, um, uh, we'd have to chuck corn and stuff like that. So <laughs> playing video game, playing video games was cool, to, a cool little release. Uh, I had an uncle that was about my age. He was a few years older than me. So he was kind of like the trendsetter for us. So he got into video games at a young age and his brother was about 10 years older than him. So he w- didn't really have anybody in his age range. So for when I would come to visit, me and him would were pretty close. So I uh, got into video games mostly because of him. We're going to lead in our first system we're going to talk about today is the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was released October 15th, 1985. The cost at the time was about $180. Adjusted for inflation today, it'd be roughly $428. So that's a lot of money in today's time, even for a system that was released so long ago. I'll give you a couple of brief games that I remember mostly on this on this system, and then, Bud, you can follow up with any that you might have. Duck Hunt, of course, and the original Super Mario Brothers. Obviously, those two were the ones that I remember the most that came with the system at the time when we were buying them in our time period. You know, all the Super Mario Brothers, so Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario Brothers 3. I remember playing them on that system. 
Tetris, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Battletoads, Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong. That's probably uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Those are the ones probably above all else is the ones I remember the most. Bud? My games, I haven't typed out on a list here, so please don't think that I'm recalling them this well off my memory, because trust me, my brain don't work that well. Battletoads, Kirby's Adventure, Mega Man 2 and 6, Maniac Mansion, Metroid, Tetris, Dr. Mario, Airwolf, Final Fantasy, Air Fortress, Mario 1, 2, and 3, Zelda, and Duck Hunt. And I'm still, there's probably some that I've missed. I'd have to go into my box of collectibles and pull them up and figure out what I missed. You know, games that have been sitting for a while. <laughs> Let's start on some of them, uh, the more obscure ones. Like, But what was that one game you just said? Uh, Maniac Mansion. Yeah, yeah, that one. Can you give me a kind of a, a brief description of kind of what happened and how that game worked? Yeah, so Maniac Mansion was developed by LucasArts, who also made Star Wars. It was a point-and-click adventure. The plot of the story was you, your character was Dave, and your girlfriend Sandy got kidnapped by the people that lived in said mansion. You had six other friends you could pick from, and each, each friend had their own individual strength. So like one was a photographer, one was a rock star, one was a nerd, so he was good with electronics. The other was a writer, and I forget what the other two were, or one. I don't know, I wasn't good at math. Anyway, it was a point-and-click game, so it was like go-to. You had to click go-to, then click door, and then you go to the door, then you had to click open, and then hover over the door, and then it would open the door. But what made that game interesting to me, even as a kid, was it had multiple endings in it. You could rescue Sandy one way, or you could have another outcome happen by like the police come and take the people that lived in the house. Or you could have another outcome happen where a police officer from a different planet would fly in and take Doctor was working on in his basement. It was just, it, it's really weird whenever you don't understand the plot of it because it's kind of out there. You know, like I said, it was made by LucasArts. But when I was young, it was really nice to have that kind of game with multiple endings because it really added through playability to it. It wasn't like Mario where, you know, you just got this stage, you got to go do this stage and then you go and beat Bowser and then you get the little congratulations message that you won. Yeah, definitely sounds like a pretty interesting game. I looked it up. It looks like it's on Steam. So something we might be able to maybe look into one day. That may be Day of the Tentacle that you're thinking of. That, that, is, okay. the, that is the sequel to Maniac Mansion. It was made okay. on, uh, I think it was made on Windows 95, if I remember right. It's amazing. Amazing yeah. when you think about just, just the time periods. So for me, obviously, the games that kind of fit everything that, that I remember mostly about Nintendo Entertainment System is Duck Hunt and the original Super Mario Brothers. Obviously, they came with the system. You bought it, I guess, only in America. I don't know if it ended up being in Japan as well, but I know that they re-released it with those games included, and it really helped boost the sales. Duck Hunt was such a, a game that kind of made me so mad, I guess. As a very young kid, you know, four or five years old, just doing my best and not quite understanding how it worked, why it worked. Uh, that stupid dog just laughing at you every time. Very, very frustrating. Yeah, especially um, especially as a kid, because you don't know how to you don't know how to line up the sights of a gun. You don't even yeah. know what the sights of a gun are. Like <laughs> all I used to do was hold the gun upside down because the end of the barrel was angled, so I'd hold it upside down. That way, it was flat against the TV screen. And I just follow the duck on the TV screen. Yeah, uh, I remember my grandfather. Uh, it's one of the very few times he ever played a video game. He was playing. He got really pissed off at one of the ducks because he's like, "Nah, listen, I know how to shoot a duck. I shot that duck, and I can't believe that duck didn't fall." And I said, <laughs> I, "I don't know what to. I don't know what to tell you, Grandpa. I'm f I'm five years old. You know, but, 
So that was the last time I remember him ever really playing a video game. He uh, he said, "I'm done with this shit." And he threw it down and he went and made him a new a new dining table. That's that was what he kind of did. He was a man's man. He was always out there lacquering up his table or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, he kind of just gave it up. Doing stuff that mattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not playing video games like uh like we we did and still do. Obviously, the other game in that equation was Super Mario Brothers. Definitely not the best Super Mario Brothers. Uh, that might be a debate. I guess some people might think so, but. Which one? Uh, it, Super Mario 2? The original. Oh, no, the, original. the original Super okay. Mario Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, say it's, I wouldn't say it's the best one. I was just wondering people might argue that, probably. I'm sure there are some purists that think that's the best one, but for me, I, I always struggled with that one. Just, I mean, obviously, I was a kid when I was playing it. I never was really good at that one. Uh, it was one of those ones that you kind of like, you did your best, but you just kind of made it to however far you made it, then you just started over. Who cares, right? At that time, you had you had patience, and, and you just were more about playing a video game more so than like uh, beating the video game. It was just being able to play the video game, I guess. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. My order for the Mario games would be three was my favorite, then one, then two. Yeah, of just the Super Mario Brothers, I completely agree. Gets a little more convoluted when you add in like Super Mario World and stuff and, and Super Nintendo. But yes, in the original Nintendo, definitely three. I think three probably changed Nintendo's outlook on a lot of things. I think that one, it's probably, I don't know if that's a best-selling game, but it prob- it's got to be up there um, for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. It, it's about as good as a video game could get, especially in 1980-whatever time it was released, in the mid-80s, late-80s. I'm not sure exactly, but it had to be released sometime in that, in that time frame because it was a uh, heck of a game, really. So, Chris, the uh, most popular selling game here on NES was Super Mario Brothers 1. It had 40,240,000 sales. And the second all-time selling game for that was Duck Hunt, which they kind of come together. Then it was Super Mario Brothers 3, which came out in October 23rd, 1988. So, three years later than Mario 1, and it sold 18 million units. Oof. So, 18 million think- versus 40 million. Yeah, I think that had to do a time period, of course. We'll get into it, but Genesis was le- released basically right when Super Mario Bros. 3 was released on the original Nintendo system. And then Super Nintendo was released the following, uh, two years later. So I, I guess if we adjusted Super Mario Bros. 3 on this SNES, I, I, I would guess it's probably closer. Considering the original Super Mario Bros. was released w- basically with that system. So every one of those systems that they sold, you kind of got the game too. So it might be slightly inflated. But yeah, but do you have any other games that you might be uh, interested in talking about? Yeah, the uh, that Air Fortress game I listed, that one holds a special place for me because me and my grandma used to play it. My grandma was a nighttime nurse, and she used to get back to the house around 9 or 10 at night. So she would come and pick me up at my parents' house, and I'd go stay the night with her. We'd go play video games. And Air Fortress was kind of like a side-scroller flying game, kind of like you know Galaga, but on a side-scroller, not top-down. And there was another game, too, that we used to play all the time that was on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, the the other games like Tetris and Dr. Mario, I still found those kind of enjoyable, but they're also kind of boring. Because, you know, as a young person, you don't care much about puzzle games. As I get older, I do appreciate puzzle games more because, you know, it's nice challenging your brain every once in a while. Not just playing some very linear, you know, go here, beat this, get to the end of the stage, beat the game. Well, and unfortunately for the Nintendo Entertainment System, I mean, it was released three years before uh, either one of us were born. So basically, most of these systems were released before we were even able to play video games. All three were released before we were able to play video games. So it's one of those things where it's like you kind of were at the tail end. So any of the games that if you looked at like a top 10 or a, a top 25 or a top 100 games released on Nintendo Entertainment System, I'm sure there's a lot of games on there that we didn't really have an opportunity to play. 
uh, at least in that time period. The goal is to talk about what we remember kind of right around the time when it was released, not necessarily games that may we may have went back and played later, so much as to kind of encapsulate the, the nostalgia of that time period. So it's one of those things where, unfortunately, the Nintendo Entertainment System kind of like lags behind in our, I guess, our lifetime, kind of the games that we got to play. That's why we really didn't talk about, or that's why we started here and didn't talk about, say, the Atari that came out in the 70s and some of those other ones that may have came before that is because we really didn't have any experience with it in our lifetimes in terms of in the moment or in the time period thereof. The next console that we're going to kind of briefly talk about, unfortunately, kind of hurts my heart a little bit, is the uh, Genesis. <laughs> unfortunately, the Sega Genesis, uh, Bud never really played. No. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of banter back and forth, a conversation we can have about it. Uh, but I do want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, Sonic? Kind of about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that whoever was the person who was directing them on terms of how, how they were going to do their marketing and all that stuff, that person, I'm sure they're still in the video game industry if they haven't passed away by this point, but they killed it. This was released in 88, but in general, kind of like how they knew to get someone like me uh, to convince my mom or at least yell at my mom or complain to my mom enough to try to get me a Genesis because that's exactly what happened. They were good uh, car salesmen. Yeah, they did a great job. I think that um, above all else, like N- Nintendo at that point, well, kind of t- the time period we're talking about, they've already sold themselves. You put Mario on anything at that point, I think it would sell. It didn't matter. Lunchboxes, backpacks, whatever. And, and kids were buying it. So it's one of those things where Sega Genesis had to come up with its whole, like it was brand new. It had nothing. Had It was basically from the ground up. So it had nothing really to base its its life off of. And uh, that's where Sonic come from. But uh, to give a brief little uh, introduction on the Sega Genesis, it was released in October 29th of 1988. Uh, still, it was released before I was born. Uh, and you, Bud, I'm pretty sure, right? When did you say it was released again? Uh, the 29th of October in 1988. Yeah, it was one month. A couple weeks, before. right? Yeah, one month. Yeah. So uh, the cost of it is 189 at the time. Uh, it purposely <laughs> undercut the Super Nintendo which didn't release for another basically two years. Adjusted for inflation, it's about three ninety three, which is a pretty respectable price. Still pretty expensive in today's time. But what will a couple games that I just want to give a shout out to that I remember playing as a kid? Sonic. Shining Force, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Shining Force uh, one and two, uh, Streets of Rage two and three. I didn't really remember one that much. Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine did not like that game as a kid. Sonic the Hedgehog, the original two and three, but. Two was my jam. Golden Axe, Columns, Echo the Dolphin, Road Rash 3, and Bubsy 2. A couple little short little tidbits about kind of the time spent with some of these games. Bubsy has a pretty soft place in my heart, similar to your story with your grandmother. This one was with my mom, although my mom didn't really have patience for us. It was one of those things where she kind of like let us play some of the early levels. And after a certain point, she just kind of shoot us off. But we did play together. (laughs) (laughs) She really wanted to beat the game. It never really worked out for it because we would always cause issues. Yeah, Bubsy... That's the difference between parents and grandparents, though. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just remember a lot of fond memories just of that game because Sega went in a totally different sort of... They went for a different style, and a lot of their games kind of re- showed that off. And Bubsy was one of those. It was kind of like a comedic, similar to like a Roadrunner style to some extent. Like he broke the fourth wall, so to speak. There's a lot of cool little things that he did that was uh, that was really, really neat and unique for the time. Uh, Road Rash was another game I had a lot of fun playing. I used to play it at my uh, my cousin's house. We would basically what you you're just riding around on a motorcycle, and you got a billy club. So as people get close to you, you can hit them with your billy club. That was really hilarious and a lot of fun as a you know five, six, seven year old kid who's swinging a billy club and knocking people over and knocking them off their bikes and stuff like that. Streets of Rage. I played that a lot with my brother. You get to pick two uh, two characters since we could play on a on a side scroller together. Uh, two out of the four characters, and you got to just kind of like beat up people, which was awesome. 
we, I don't think we ever beat the game. I think the whole goal was just like, we'd get as far as we could until we started to argue too much to the point that we could, we, we could never finish. I don't know why you're doing that, John. And then John, which is my brother, he would be like, I didn't do anything. And, you know, uh, we used to split the screen, for example, where he would fight all the enemies that would come to the top half of the screen. And then I would fight all the ones that would come to the bottom half of the screen. And in Streets of Rage in particular, you could still do damage to your to each other. So it's like if you hit each other, you had friendly fire was on. There's I don't think there was any way to turn it off. So what we'd do is like if someone accidentally hit you, he'd be like, you better give me my free shot back. I don't know why we thought that way. But it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like if, if you hit me, I get to hit you back. And it's like we're all on the same team here. But it's just <laughs> I just remember that very very vividly just kind of like we ended up beating up each other almost as much as we beat up the enemies by the time especially after the first couple levels you know because the first few sort of levels and worlds are pretty easy and then after you get to a certain point it starts to get a little more difficult of course and like once you get to like those more difficult ones you're just kind of like you're so frustrated with each other because you know you're you're sitting next to each other in this close quarters sitting on the floor laying down whatever uh we used to have one of those old school tvs that sat on the ground uh, the big old box TVs um, that was heavy yeah. as heavy as all get out, you know? And uh, so we would be laying down and we'd be playing that way. And it's one of those things where it's like, after a while you start pushing each other, you know, whatever it was just, we'd only get so far before we ended up wrestling and beating each other up and stuff. So, but I have a lot of fond memories of playing that, just thinking of back on it. But of course the pinnacle of Sega Genesis is Sonic the Hedgehog two. I'm sure some people might try to argue and say it's Sonic one, but Sonic the Hedgehog two, I think fondly about the game still to this day. It was the first game that I ever beat from start to finish. Really? Uh, you know, and yes, I did as like an eight, eight or nine year old kid. Uh, now, granted, you got to think about it. I was always playing with my brother. And like I said, we never had an opportunity. We'd always beat each other up and just, you never finish games. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it just never happened. So I remember it happened, you know, and there wasn't really save features per se at the time period. And I don't even think Sonic had any like codes where you could kind of, jump back into a game so it's like either you played it all the way through or you just didn't finish and no, maybe you, there was those things no you burn the console down that way you don't have to ever turn it off yes yeah well right right so like you were in a situation where you just didn't have the, those the same flexibilities maybe we have today so it had to be just i guess because my brother was around we just never had the opportunity to finish a game did you get bored or he would get bored and then it's like dude you can't quit playing a game because it's a two-player game you can't play it by yourself you can't drop in and out so it's like ugh. But yes, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was the first game I remember from start to finish beating. I just remember that game fondly. I had so much fun playing it. You know, you learn all the little tidbits, this, that, and the other thing that you know how you can do this, you can do that, and it all kind of works out for you. So I just remember you're in like this giant helicarrier and you're kind of running along the side of the helicarrier and like you're jumping and it's like catching on. You're catching on to like certain places. It's trying to blow you off of it. I just remember that part towards the very end of the game and it's just kind of... Uh, it just brings back a flood of memories, just like good times spending. Like I said, we would have to alternate. So as brothers, even though you could play Tails in the second one, we would still alternate each death. So I would, if I started at the very first levels, it would be you would play one level each because you wouldn't die in the very beginning. So to the point where you didn't, you weren't able to get any sort of like rhythm going. That's when you'd start bartering. Hey man, let me have one more life and you can have two next. You know, you start bartering and doing whatever you can to try to get as much play time in as you can. But yeah, I remember fondly just playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and, and, and beating it. And, you know, as six, I don't know, however old it was in my early five, six, sevens. Was that all that you had for Sega Genesis? Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to add anything about Sonic at all. Well, I never played the game when I was a kid, but I loved the hell out of the cartoon and the character. So I really enjoyed the story behind them. And I don't know how accurate that was 
according to the video game, because like I said, I didn't play the game when I was young. I didn't play it till I was much later, probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere around that age range. But yeah, I just really liked the character and I really liked the cartoon. And I just found out like a couple years ago that it was voiced by Jaleel White, who is the voice of Steve Urkel on All Family Matters. That one kind of <laughs> threw me for a loop. One thing that I learned, uh, and I t- texted Bud about this a couple days ago, is that a lot of these games are available now in the App Store to download for free with ads, of course. Um, they do charge to remove the ads, but be able to relive some of these memories without having to have those consoles. I know some of these games are on uh, the Xbox Marketplace, I think, anyway. Or they were on the 360, some of them, anyway. You know, they have um, Sonic the Hedgehog, and they have, let's see what I downloaded, Shining Force, Sonic 1 and 2, Streets of Rage 1 and 2, and Dr. Doctor Mario World are the ones that I downloaded specifically. And that just gives you kind of the, the nostalgia feel. You can go back in time, kind of play those games, kind of see how it was. I do kind of cheat. I play it on a tablet, and I have my little Xbox controller connected to it uh, just to kind of make it a little easier. Definitely a, a good time to be able to relive some of those uh, memories. Don't hit the pause button. We're still rolling. But it's time for some questions. Question time, question time. Everybody loves question time. What would you change about yourself if you could, bud? Well, I would probably have to go with my stubbornness. I am kind of an old man set in my ways. It's very, very hard to convince me, especially with products. Like, I've got what I have that works, and I'm just not willing to change. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What about you, Chris? Well, I guess if I could change anything about myself, it would be sort of, I guess, how I deal with my anger and how I transition that into something positive versus using it maybe negatively. Thank God uh, my stubbornness has definitely lessened as I've gotten a little older uh, with children and stuff like that. But yeah, my biggest thing, if I could change one thing about myself, it would certainly be maybe redirecting my anger better. Yeah, we could all do that a little better. And now, let's get back to the show. The next, the last, and the most popular amongst both of us consoles that we're going to talk about is the Super Nintendo. I think that defined us. That was the winner right there. Yeah, it defined my childhood, at least my early childhood. I kind of, I kind of, I guess I grouped it in a certain way, like pre-10, before I was like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. Like, these were the consoles you played. And then after that, it gets different, you know, with the PlayStations, the Xboxes, that sort of stuff. But like, this was the pinnacle. This was as good as it gets. This was the best game. This had the best games. It was the best system. It's weird because a lot of these had crossover. So it's not like you played them because it was on Super Nintendo necessarily. Now it did have good games that were that were um, specific just to the console. But it's so funny that when you talk to anybody, it's not even specifically just me and you. But if you talk to any of our friends about this generation and like what console did you remember the most? Genesis doesn't get brought up often, unfortunately. I wish it did. But Super Nintendo, it's like that was my jam. SNES, whatever, whichever way you want to word it, whether it's Super Nintendo or SNES, it's like that was my thing. But I'll let you go first, kind of naming some of the games that you uh, enjoyed playing. All righty. The SNES. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man X, one, two, and three. Mega Man X is still to this day in my list of favorite games. Super Mario World, Super Mario All Stars, which was all the original Marios on Nintendo, kind of rebooted with better graphics and music. Street Fighter 2, Donkey Kong, one, two, and three. Mario Paint, which was pretty unique. Mario Kart which definitely preferred the 64 version, but it was still cool on the SNES because there was no other racing game like it. Kirby's Dream Course, that was the other game that I played with my grandma. 
Kirby Superstar, Joe and Mac, Star Fox, Batman Returns, Final Fantasy. I don't remember which number it was at that time. I think it was like four or five. Yeah, four, five, four, five, and six. Yeah, and then uh, Mystic Quest, which was actually, I think it was made by the same people that made Final Fantasy, or it was a Final Fantasy knockoff. I don't remember exactly. It was too far ago. The Kirby's Dream Course, that game was kind of cool, because to this day, I still like Kirby. Like, I have Kirby used as my avatar on a lot of my online accounts, because he's just a, you know, he's a pink blob that just eats people. Like, me and him relate on a personal level. You know, (laughs) I don't eat people, but I do like to eat food. Let me just clarify that before the feds show up at my door. But yeah, we used to play that game a lot, me and my grandma, because it was something that she was also decent at, too. And the premises of that game was it was kind of like a golf game where you had these different courses and you had different enemies sitting around the map. And if you bump into one of the enemies, you gain their powers. So like you could turn into a tornado and zoom ass across the map. You could bump into like one of the parasailing guys that has the umbrella. If you put too much power on your shot, you could pop that ability and slow your roll real quick. You had some other abilities and enemies there and different holes and layouts and hills and different types of terrain that would slow down your roll speed. It was really, really fun. Mario Paint, that game was unique for me because it came with a mouse, pretty much that's identical to a computer mouse in today's time. It was kind of like a coloring book where you could draw and fill in colors and stuff. Like I remember the first one I finished was actually the cover art for Super Mario World, you know, where Mario's riding on top of Yoshi and he's got his cape on. That was the first thing I colored on Mario Paint. It also had a mini game on it to where you could fly swat flies. There's different stages. The first stage was like little gnats. The second stage was like yellow jackets. And the third stage was like bigger bees. And then the the big stage was the moth that you just had to constantly mash the left click on. But Super Mario World, Mega Man X, and probably have to say Donkey Kong 1 were probably my most played games. Mega Man X, most certainly. I spent the most time in that game. How about you? So obviously there's a lot of crossover. A lot of those games were genre-defining and uh, definitely console-defining. For me, there's only a couple weird exceptions that I'm just going to mention specifically, then we can kind of deep dive into some of the other ones that we played together, or that we played both played it anyway. I think one of the funniest ones that I played that I enjoyed the most was like Zombie ate my na- Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It's kind of ridiculous. The name uh, is definitely made for kids. I think we rented it from Blockbuster. This is obviously the time period where you could rent video games and stuff like that. I can't remember if it was re-rented it or he... My cousin, my uncle bought it, but it's one of those things where it's like, you just kind of, basically it's a side scroller to some extent. It did have like forward and backwards as well. So it wasn't entirely a side scroller, but it's a, it's a top down view and you're kind of running through like the mall, through your neighborhood. Uh, you're killing zombies. You shoot them with like water guns and all this cool stuff. It's just, I just really enjoyed playing it with my cut, co- uh, my cousins and my uncles and stuff like that. Is it kind of uh, laid out like to, Zelda? Uh, yeah, it would be similar to Zelda in a lot of ways. It's, uh, you just... But it's more, uh, I don't want to say fast-paced, but like it's more, it's not story-driven and like Zelda is. It's right, more right, just kind of right. like, but the top-down view where you kind of like, instead of, like when you're inside the mall, obviously they're not going to like, you're not you're not doing a behind this, behind your back shot like we do now in a third-person shot. It's a top-down view, so you kind of can like see the see them all and like where the zombies are. You can kind of like shoot at them. Right, and but kind it's, of, um, it's not a side-scroller like around. say Mega Man. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not really a side scroller. I, I misspoke more or less. It's not okay. There is side scrolling aspects because obviously you only have a certain certain window. Yeah, it's still uh, a two D game, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, so it does have limitations, but it's one of those things where it's like it gave a lot of 
like for me, you know, because at that time period, there was horror films were still pretty huge. And I was old enough where I could kind of enjoy those. Well, I shouldn't have been enjoying them. My mom was always kind of weird about that. She really tried to pretend like uh, she wanted us to be Beaver Cleaver and stuff. Like wanted <laughs> us to be <laughs> like, Hoity, uh, uh, yeah, like good kids, you know, and we'd be like out there uh, scrambling to try to find like uh, like a, a Friday the 13th movie on like a like a, a HBO, show, you know, one of those one of those TV channels you didn't get without cable and stuff. And you just got like the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the it would like scroll a line through it. So you couldn't get it good enough. Uh, like look like a wave going down the screen and we like do that. So my mom, she was weird about like that stuff. And then certain video games and uh, zombies ate my neighbors was one of those, but my cousin, we got, we would go visit him and, and, uh, he was a little bit older than me. So his parents kind of let him get away with that sort of stuff. So we would watch scary movies. I got a funny story about leprechaun that I'll tell one day with my brother. It's hilarious. Well, tell it uh, now. Maybe I'll do it. Tell it now. No, I want I want to save it. Maybe we'll talk about like horror films one day, but uh, right. we'll, we'll save it for later. We'll save it for later. Uh, that way I don't, I don't, we have something to talk about then. That way you don't uh, botch the story, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. G- give me just a few minutes on that one. Yeah. So uh, uh, another, another little small game that I remember, it's called Act Razor. It was done similar. It, it's top down, but then it also had side scrolling aspects. It had two different versions of the, oh, not two different versions, but there was two different pieces to the game. One is like a top down, you're a god and you're building a farm and that sort of stuff. And then you would go into certain like dungeons or whatever, and you would become, it'd become side scrolling. So you'd be, you turn in from being floating in the air, looking like a fat Cupid baby almost to coming down. You got this giant sword and you're like beating the hell out of people. It's pretty funny. So it's one of those games where it's like, I didn't really enjoy it at the time. I was like so mad that someone bought me this game because I was like, I don't understand and I was just so upset. But a few years later, I remember getting back into it. And I was like, well, I'm going to give it a try. And I actually enjoyed playing it a lot. It was a one-player game. So I didn't get a lot of opportunities to play it, especially as a younger kid. Once I got a little bit older and my brother was kind of doing other things or we'd have more than one console. And that's when the things got kind of cool is we both had, we didn't have our own TVs, but I could hook up in one place, uh, which is so funny when you think about it. It's like back then it was so much easier to hook up a console to a TV. Now it's like, uh, you know, a half hour process just to do it. But back then you just plug in a couple buttons, you're good to go or cutting a couple uh, cords, you're good to go. And it's so funny. I, that was one of those games. Once once my brother maybe had a Genesis, uh, and he could play a couple games on Genesis and I could play the Super Nintendo. I could take it into like my sister's room or take it into uh, the living room and play it on the TV out there. You got the better um, end of game. that deal. Yeah, yeah. I definitely ended up with a bigger TV, right? Like we we had the old school I TV. I was talking that was about the, the better console. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I did win that one, didn't I? He was. I, <laughs> I think it was one of those things where uh, I'm not really sure. My brother really wasn't into video games as a as a super young kid because he was two years younger than me. So he kind of got into video games uh, much later. He's still pretty like really into video games to this day. But it's one of those things where we sort of. Could, could split off and do other things. Um, but one last game I want to talk about, just uh, because it, I have a lot of fond memories, obviously. Uh, if you were a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, if you didn't like uh, WWF uh, and wrestling in general, you kind of had some issues, I guess. Maybe not WWF. It wasn't, I guess by that point it was um, national. But a game came out, it was called WWF Royal Rumble. I had so much fun playing that game. And if I could find it and I had a Super Nintendo, I would play it today. Like I, that was the peak of my, my rest, well, near the peak of my wrestling fandom in terms of video games, especially the cool thing about that one is it allowed think about this, especially for the time period. It allowed six people to be in the re- in the ring at the to- same time in a Royal rumble. And if you, if you lost or died, you could go ahead and you could pick another one. So it's like, you got to time it out. So you make sure you got the right player or the right guy or whatever, so that you had the best opportunities to be successful. And what we do is similar to like what we do in streets of rage. 
John would take the top half of the ring. I take the bottom half of the ring. We'd beat everybody up. We throw them out of the ring. <laughs> no, so we kinda, I want to be, yeah. I want to be entry one <laughs> and I want to win the, the rumble. That's how that works. I ain't uh, cheating. <laughs> Unfortunately, the way that one worked, you got tired even as you wrestled. So eventually you got to the point where you would be, you could throw anybody out, which kind of made it fun. Cause it was, I guess more quote unquote realistic, I guess. I mean, it's a video game. How realistic do you really need it to be? Especially in 1990, but it's one of those things where I definitely enjoyed playing that. I think they had tag team, obviously they had tag team matches and single matches, but we basically only played Royal rumble matches. And what we do, Oh, that's what we did. So we would write down on a notepad, like, let's say there's 30 entrants, right? What we would do is we would pick 10 each. So I would pick my 10, he'd pick his 10. And then if we lost, we had to wait for one of those 10 to come in. So you were hoping that you would be like the last one. You get like entry number 30 so that you could, you'd have the freshest person when it was that time. It was like those sort of things. So we would, we would, (laughs) even as young kids, we would like wager and make bets and have like those sort of like goofy things that we did, I guess, just to kind of help pass the time. But of course, for Super Nintendo, above all else, they did introduce like Donkey Kong Country, uh, which was really good. But above all else, obviously, Super Mario All-Stars was probably the game, uh, along with Super Mario World. But you got to think about that lineup, just Super Mario All-Stars, Super Mario World, and Donkey Kong Country. I mean, where do you go wrong? There's no wonder it was the, I mean, in our minds anyway, it was the number one console. I'm sure sales back it up as well, but there's absolutely no wonder. Yeah, and, and another thing too, for me personally, the Super Nintendo transitioned from Super Nintendo was 16-bit graphics, 8-bit was NES. So the music was also a lot better, too, on Super Nintendo. And even as a young kid, I've always loved music, and I am a huge music fanatic now. You know, I'm a big audio nerd. I'm a big tech nerd. So those things kind of go hand-in-hand hand for me. But Mega Man X, another reason it's probably one of my top favorite games is the soundtrack to that game. All the boss themes just sound amazing. And even when you go back to Super Mario All-Stars, that that revamped music sounds better on the Super Nintendo than it does on the NES console. And then you look at the graphics where everything looks, you know, more smooth and rounded. Mario doesn't look super blocky. It just it really excelled the experience playing Mario 3 on Super Nintendo than what I remembered playing Mario 3 on NES. And, you know, for me, it was probably only like a one or two year difference from when I played those games, because like you said, the NES was already released and launched before we were born. Yeah, it was towards the end of its actual life cycle. And I totally agree. What's so funny is I'm not really a a music nerd. I, I like music, but I don't really think about like the video game music. But it is kind of funny when you think about it. If you took the music out of it, it's amazing how maybe your experience would change. Me being someone that doesn't really pay attention to it, but it, it, it gets your heart moving. It gets you moving. Like it, it gets a uh, a physical response out of me, especially like you said, when the boss notes. I don't really recall Mega Man X. I didn't really play it that much. But even in Super Mario, when that timer's going down, for example, and that different music hits, and you're like, oh, crap, I need to hurry up, you know? Like those certain things where it's like there was never words spoken for the most part. It was all just music, but they did a great job in terms of like speeding it up when it was telling you, listen, you got to move. Or like, slowing it down or just like the certain notes they would hit or the way that would deliver it. It's amazing how much different it would uh, kind of change your, your personal, like, you know, get your heartbeat moving, get you racing, get you kind of going. You know, I've always been, I guess, in tune to that sort of stuff. Maybe I don't always have the, like, I couldn't explain it in a great way sometimes, but I definitely can, ex- can tell you that, yeah, you could definitely see a huge difference just coming from the regular Nintendo system to the super Nintendo. And like you said, it being more rounded, uh, it's starting to start to shape that like 
new experience, the uh, kind of more re- quote unquote realistic. Obviously, it's Mario. They never really went super realistic, except for that god awful movie they released. But uh, other than <laughs> and the cartoon show, than, yeah. Uh, so they never went super duper uh, realistic, but they did a better job of trying to round it off and and make it be- just overall, like you said, it's way more crisp. Uh, and that's very noticeable in Super Mario World, for example. Just uh, you know, adding in Yoshi and some of these other small little things that make a huge difference, or even in Donkey Kong Country where you're swimming underwater, no less. And like, even though it was a little glitchy at times, it still was like. It was definitely pushing that, um, you said it was 16 bits, pushing that 16 bits to its limit just to yeah. be able to kind of like, you know, I mean, think about it. Swimming underwater. I guess you did in, in, in Mario as well. You swam underwater, but it wasn't the same. It basically was just Mario flying underwater. It wasn't the exact. I mean, it wasn't the same as Donkey Kong where you're actually swimming and you have that slight delay in your. Yeah, um, it wasn't a different mechanic, buttons. really. Right. So it's just one they, of those things where they probably were pushing it to the limit, though. Yeah, they definitely made Donkey Kong feel more fluid swimming in water. And the other thing, too, is like I keep going back to music, but like you look at games like Mario and Donkey Kong and those underwater levels, you know, that music kind of backs that theme up, especially like with Mario, you know, when that little and when, it, yep. you know, it's like, oh, shit, time to go. Like, like, I got to speed yep. run this stuff, you know, before we knew what speed running was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like the tropical, the tropical versions, like when you said, when you're underwater, it was a little more tropical, kind of puts you in that that mindset even if you didn't necessarily have you know like i don't know when the first time you visited the beach was but you know when you don't even have those mindsets like what it is to be at a beach you know or maybe like those sort of thought processes then you kind of get this tropical feel obviously we see them in movies and stuff but it's a difference from like truly experiencing it or or seeing it so it's like one of those things where i definitely put you in that mood i guess is the best way to say it well when those when those underwater when you went to those underwater worlds oh yeah for sure hey i've got a uh i've got a list here Pulled up of the best-selling games for Super Nintendo. What do you think's number one? Uh, I'm going to go with All-Stars. You're close. Um, Super Mario World was number one with 20 million. Uh, Super Mario that, All-Stars that, was number two with 10.5. Yeah, I probably would have guessed Super Mario World, but I, I didn't think that... I thought that the nostalgia part would have brought more people back, but I do believe Super Mario World probably is the better... I guess for the value, probably not, but it, it's the one I probably played the most. Well... I don't know. It's toss up, right? Because as much as I remember Super Mario World, I probably played Super Mario Brothers three on All Stars probably twice as much as on at least twice as much as the regular NES. Uh, give me some other ones. Okay, I'll just uh, I'll run through the top ten here, and then we'll we'll talk about the top ten, and then I could run through the rest of this list. There's a uh, forty nine on this list, and actually running through this list, I, there's some games on here that I even forgot to put in my own list, and I'll kind of hit those as we get to them. But top 10 is Super Mario World, Super Mario All-Stars, Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario Kart, Street Fighter 2, Donkey Kong Country 2, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which I didn't even list on my list that I played, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, another game that I didn't put on my list, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Donkey Kong Country 3, those were your top 10 selling games for SNES. Isn't it wild that Street Fighter's on there twice? I'm sure there's differences, but they yeah. released Street Fighter 2 like 12 times. Well, that's because Street Fighter was doing quote-unquote DLCs before DLC was a thing. I mean, Street Fighter, once we get into like Street Fighter 3, there's like six different versions of that game. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about, and, and that they all did well. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure there's some bombs in there. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying like, 
if you just generally look through all of them, it's amazing how well they've kind of stood the test of time and has been successful. Obviously, this Street Fighter 2 is still played to this day in, in esports, I would guess, right? Uh, I know Paul was doing it pretty, uh, at least in tournaments and stuff, uh, for a while there. So it's kind of amazing to think that, I mean, this game came out, I don't know exactly when, but it was in the 90s, early, very early 90s, maybe the late 80s, yeah, uh, I mean, and it's still rolling today. Yeah, Street Fighter 2 World Warrior was 1992, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which is the more popular one, I think, at least in my opinion, is uh, 1993. So we're talking about se- at least 17 years. Yeah, but we're talking about 17 years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or no, 27 years ago. I apologize. 27 years ago. So we're talking about something that's, you know, this thing could do everything in the world now. I mean, it could smoke, it can drink, it could do any, it could do everything. You know, it can rent a, it can rent a darn car for all, for, you know, it's, it's amazing. And it's still played to this day. Uh, obviously, a couple other games, uh, like on there, um, the Donkey Kong. And uh, that's the one I probably played the most was the original Donkey Kong Country. I know you had some more experience with the uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3. Uh, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't remember much about Donkey Kong 2, honestly. I, I do remember it was a little more interactive. The staging was a little better. I do remember a decent amount of Donkey Kong 3 because it introduced new characters to the list. It had uh, the Baby Kong in the blue like nightgown. I think his name was Diddy or Pity. Or I, don't, I don't remember exactly. And it also introduced uh, Trixie, who was the girl monkey. I think it was uh, Diddy's niece. Or Donkey's niece, if I remember right. But it also added a couple new mechanics with her. You know, she could hover across the map, which changed that game drastically for me as far as the hovering goes. And the stage layout was a lot different. The bosses were more fun. And that's saying a lot because even the bosses in the original Donkey Kong Country were all pretty fun and unique. You know, more so than like bosses like in Mario. You know what I mean? Like Bowser. I mean, you can only kill Bowser the same way. Eight times, you know, eight stages in the game. It's all the same. As far as Donkey Kong, I had a lot of fun with those three games. My roommate, he is a Donkey Kong 1 fanatic. He prided himself on that being his first game that he used to complete and run back and forth, you know, in 100% completion, you know, before achievements were a thing. You know, that was that, that was the goal in single-player games was can you beat a game 100%, you know, front to back and, and know the ins and outs of that game. And that was his, was Donkey Kong 1. That's amazing. Give a couple quick quick ones on there. So, and Donkey Kong Two, Country Two was uh, obviously Diddy was already there, but it introduced Dixie at the time, and then they introduced in the third one. I uh, lost that one. I apologize. I lost it. You can keep going. I th- I think it was Trixie. Kitty Kong. It's Kitty Kong. Kitty. Okay, yeah. Kitty Kong. Yeah. I apologize. I found it. Kitty Kong. Yeah, I, I like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with the second or the third one. When I was a kid, quick little story about Donkey Kong. Uh, I went to my my uncle's house, my grandfather's house, really, and uh, my uncle, which is the one that's only a couple years older than me, he got a uh, Super Nintendo with Donkey Kong. That came with Donkey Kong Country came with the game with that um, system, and he got that for Christmas. And I remember just being so pissed off, like I was a Sega guy, so it's like I was trying not to enjoy it. I was like, this is bullcrap, you know? And I was like, this is, this is not for me. No. And, you know, and I was like throwing temper tantrums, like, no, I'm not, I don't want to play it. No, you go play it. You know, you, you go do it, you know? <laughs> and then eventually I kind of was like, I th- either he went to bed or, you know, it's like one of those things where I didn't want to get, get uh, chastised about it. So I was like, I'm going to wait till he like leaves or, uh, you know, cause he, he was, uh, he's always been a movie guy. So he would go and watch, he would go rent a lot of movies from Blockbuster and stuff like that. And he'd bring them home. We'd watch them. 
And I remember, I, I think specifically that day, either I got up earlier than he did or he went and rented movies. I can't remember which. It's one of those two things. Uh, I was, I've always been a morning person. And uh, I remember getting up early. I think, I think that's what happened is I got up early one day and I'm out there playing it. And I, re- I just remember him coming around the corner and he'd give him this smile like, I told you, you'd, you'd like this game. And I just remember being so mad that he saw me playing it. But I was like so into it. I, it's just, it was so much different. Basic premises are so much similar, where it's just like a, just a side scroller game where you collect stuff and bop enemies, whatever. But uh, it was definitely had its own feel to it. It was different. It was one of those things where it was like, you got to really, truly, like you said, the bosses were unique. It didn't feel like you were just bopping on the heads. Uh, just to, you know, they had their own things that made them unique. It was definitely a lot of fun. You can keep going with the list. I'm not sure. I think we kind of covered most of the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. We covered the top 10, but oh. there, there's some, there's some games on here that I see that I know that me and you have both played that I don't think we've, we've mentioned killer instinct. One of those games, Aladdin and Lion King, Super Mario RPG for myself. I, I forgot to list that one. I know you haven't played that one. Mortal Kombat. We haven't talked about yep. that. And one thing that actually kind of caught my attention was a uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Budo 10. Don't don't kill me if I mispronounce that. <laughs> or when you mispronounce it. Uh, yeah. It's not that you did or didn't. We know you did. Because I, I am a huge <laughs> Dragon Ball Z fan, and I didn't even know those games existed on Super Nintendo because I didn't start watching Dragon Ball Z until I was 12. Middle school, I'd guess, yeah, right? 12 yeah, 12 or 13. School. I was in sixth grade when it came out. Yeah, it was on... Uh, were you watching it on the uh, on Cartoon Network? Yes. Okay, so you were watching it during like the 4 or 5 o'clock four to five o'clock hour like me yeah or was it three to four four to five i believe four, I, yeah i'm pretty I, sure because I, I, yeah i had to use the i had to go up to my grandma's to watch it because she had a satellite tv <laughs> she had dish network <laughs> i was i was poor we didn't have cable growing up <laughs> well like that's that's one of the funny things about you know you and i i was born in a city uh well yeah it's a city i guess i was it's, born it's a in a city little... too what do you think i just dropped in from well, the damn forest well well you were born in a rural rural north carolina you know you were born in a, a small city we're not talking i mean we're talking about what is what is your city now you probably cities like probably less than ten thousand people right yeah right now i mean i was technically born in lincoln yeah but where i live is yeah it's about three four thousand people right so the city i grew up probably twenty five thousand people so just kind of put it in perspective, at least it's amazing that you and I are friends to some extent because we grew up with like polar opposites in terms of like how we grew up anyway. But yes, when I was a kid, we had uh, we had access to just more options. This is the way it was when you live in a, a, a major city. Not, I guess what you call it a major city, but Metropolitan a bigger city. Area. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was outside of Tampa. So it's like it was kind of, but it wasn't quite there yet. It is considered now, but not at the time, not when I was living there. But uh, anyway, yeah, it gave a it gave a, when I was in middle school. We got out at three thirty, so like I would, I would like pray that the bus was not behind, because I would be well three fifteen, I guess it was, because I would like get home right on time for Dragon Ball Z. And uh, one of the kids I went to school with actually turned me on to it. So it's like he's like, man, you got to watch this. And I, you know, you got to remember that I at the time I was still like really into sports and like I didn't really get none of that crap. So really, that's what you're watching? He's like, yeah, man, dude, just watch it. I guess he convinced my brother enough that my brother started watching it, and then I started watching it with him. Uh, so yeah, I didn't get into it until I was about the same age, 11, 12, 13, somewhere. I guess it was 11 or 12, because uh, yeah. I, I was definitely in middle school. Yeah, because at that time, we had pretty much just dropped the whole cartoons, you know, watching like Saturday morning cartoons and stuff like that. We were starting to kind of grow up and to be young teenagers, you know, kind of like how everything embarrasses you. You know, your parents start to embarrass you that whole phase of your life. So when someone right. says, hey, man, watch Dragon Ball Z, and you're like, bro, that's a cartoon. I'm too old for that. 
And they're like, no, no, man, it's not a cartoon, it's an anime. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, because um, I know we've segued a little bit here, but it's just kind of funny to think back, I guess, to that time period of my life. And it's just, my parents had just bought a house and we was, uh, you know, I was just getting used to like, I guess that was part of it. So like, I, my parents had just bought the house a few years, before, I guess maybe a year, or right around that time period. I'm meeting all these new people, these new kids I never met. I'm live on, a, you know, I live on a, obviously we live on a street, but I live on like in a, a neighborhood and I had like 10 or 15 kids that live on my street with me. Uh, so it was like, you know, you start to expand a little bit. You're starting to think about new things. And uh, yeah, I, I guess they convinced me one day and he's like, yeah, man, it's cool. And same thing. These kids, a lot of these kids didn't have brothers, so they didn't grow up with an annoying two, you know, brother that was two years younger than you. Whereas I did. So it's one of those things where I was like, I guess we started to bond over weird things. And that was one of those weird things. And I, I was so surprised that was a game that I ended up liking, but, uh, or a, a TV series I ended up liking, but to kind of get back on track, Lion King and Aladdin. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I, I obviously those sales were a hundred percent influenced by the movies and not necessarily by gameplay, Yeah, but they weren't, but they weren't terrible for what they were. No, they weren't. We also talked about Mortal Kombat, uh, or, or you also mentioned Mortal Kombat. That one, I think, I played more than any of the fighting games. I never really got into Street Fighter. I mean, I would trust me, I'd be button mashing on Street Fighter. And I get there's a lot more to it than that. But well, I'd be button kid, mashing on, on every fighting game. <laughs> That's just the way it is, right? And so it's one of those things where. <laughs> yeah, obviously, Mortal Kombat holds that attention because of the fatalities. You know, when you're young and stuff like that, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and the blood, the gore, you know, it's just like, it's just amazing the differences. And, and of course, they did a good job of, of, giving you story and some backstory to kind of rope you in. Of course, you know, if it wasn't for Sub-Zero, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd care about Mortal Kombat at all. He was my man. He's the guy I was all about. He was the one that, you know, at this time period, you didn't have uh, the internet. You know, we didn't have the ability to be like, oh, well, how do I, how do I do this move? Or how do I do that fatality? You're just like, I accidentally pressed back twice and then this happened, you know, or forward twice, whatever it was to do his freeze move. I don't know how that happened. And then you're like trying to figure it out. Then you get your butt kicked a bunch of times because you're, you're worried about trying to figure out how to do that move again. I know they had some books uh, that would have all that stuff listed in it, but yeah, we had magazines. Know. We had to read, but I'm, <laughs> but you got to think about YouTube it as a, videos, right? As a, as a six year old kid, how long am I going to pay attention to reading before I'm just like, F this, I'm going to figure it out myself, you know, whatever. They yeah. don't know anything. So you just kind of gave up. Uh, I, but I do remember I would write down, like, this is how ridiculous I was as a kid. Instead of trying to convince my parents to buy a book that was super expensive for the time period, I would just like I would I would I would bring a pencil or a pen with me and I would write the fatalities down like on my hand or on a piece of paper out of the book. Like just write it down. And then I would come home and then of course I'd mess up on the fatal on the on the writing it down or I couldn't read my own stupid handwriting. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't get the then I wasted all that time and I couldn't get the fatality to work anyway. And then I'd just be so upset. One one game we kind of glossed over in the in the top ten that I just wanted to kind of circle around back to is uh, Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. That game is still played to this day by a lot of people. Yeah, uh, it's a very popular speedrunning game, and it has a randomizer um, with it. Yeah, so it's like you know, as a kid, I know I, I briefly mentioned that I didn't play Mega Man that much. I never really got into Zelda either. I was like I said, these when I was a kid, it had to be for the most part it had to be a two player game. Those games didn't have that option for me, so I didn't really play them that much. But I can definitely appreciate them today. Uh, I couldn't then. Um, it took a lot of things to kind of convince me. But yeah, it's it's amazing, you know, that it's stuck basically just to. It's still just only on Nintendo, uh, and it's. I know that it drove the Wii U 
and the Switch. You know, it, it it's a reason people still buy a lot of these consoles. It's just to play the and they're playing a lot of them. They're just playing remakes of other games that I didn't even know was released before that. They're just re-releasing the game on there, and people are like I want to play this on this new system, and it's amazing uh, that it's carrying it so far. Yeah, and and the, and the other thing that I kind of want to touch base with too is like these older games, even in today's time. I mean they still have a, a pretty big audience and a huge following behind them. I mean, because if you go to Twitch right now, there's a lot of people that still speedrun these old-style games. Unlike today's games, where a game is made, and then it's released, half-finished, and then the developer just patches in a new update to give you a finished product when it should have been finished to begin with. These old games, once they left, once they got boxed up and shipped out, that's how that game played forever. There's a lot of people now in the community that take these old games and they'll rewrite them, which I find is phenomenal. For example, like Mega Man X, there's a version out there where people make, you know, same way with uh, Zelda Link to the Past, where they make it a randomizer. So like if you go, say in Mega Man, you defeat the first stage, say if you go to Chill Penguin and you kill him, most of the time you always get the ice shot. Well, in this randomizer, you could click Chill Penguin's stage and you might go to Flame Mammoth. And then once you go to Flame Mammoth and beat the boss, you may get a completely different, you may get the boomerang. Or if you jump in this capsule where you get the helmet upgrade, you may get a dash. It, it's completely random. So it completely changes the way you played the game. You know, in the same way in uh, Zelda Link to the Past, you know, where you might go to get the boomerang, it ain't there. You go and pick it up and you may get the lantern. You know, so it, it kind of adds a little bit of spice to the game. Like I said, the speed running, you know, it's it's always really cool. To sit here and watch some guy beat this game in 20 minutes when it used to take you a week or a month or several months to do as a young kid. Yeah. What I find so funny is, uh, like you're saying, that they just hold up. How many times do you go back and play an Xbox game from the original Xbox? Not very often. No. I mean, there's still the occasional 360 game I'll play, but like for the most part, you just you don't really dig back into those old games. But if I had a Super Nintendo uh, I would definitely play, and and you know that's. I know there was a time period I uh, considered buying those for my kids. The when they re-release the um, the preloaded games on the the consoles, yeah, uh, that you can buy. And I think that's something I'm gonna have to do because I they they're spoiled. They don't they don't understand <laughs> the uh, frustration and the love and the purity of these old games. Like that, it, I think that's part of it, right? So like you your attention span today just doesn't isn't the same as it was 20 25 years ago and uh you know you had to have patience these games if you were of course they're speedrun guys you know they they play this where they kind of know where this bolt is going to go whatever they 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 know exactly what's going to happen so it's slightly different but i'm saying as a normal person playing these video games you have to have patience you have to understand kind of like okay well if i go too fast and i fall in the lava well then maybe i shouldn't do that and it's a lot of trial and error. You know, these days kids can just like, like you say, uh, we had a conversation about this. I think it was a couple of days ago uh, that like, you know, they tell you where to do everything. Like I'm, I just, I don't think about video games. Like I guess I did back in the day. Like I was playing, um, I played Assassin's Creed three. It's an, it's a re-release remastered version on the Xbox one. Just, just really just to piss away some time. And I couldn't figure out how to get to one of these stupid viewpoints. And I was like, all right, I'm done playing. Like I didn't even bother. Like, was, <laughs> like it, as sad as it is to admit that, I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, ah, friggin', I'm done. I just quit playing. I went and did something else. You know, uh, so it's just one of those things where it's like, but when you were a kid, and especially in these time periods, you know, it's like you only had so many lives. 
they didn't hold your hand. They didn't, didn't tell you. You didn't have no You need YouTube. to go this way. Yeah, well, yeah, you couldn't just pull up on your phone like, hey, how do I get to this uh, stage? Or how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Or, uh, you know, whatever. This day, like these time period, all you had was like your buddies. So like, you know, they used to always talk about water cooler talk. And of course, ours was like water fountain talk because we didn't have water coolers. So it's like, <laughs> or playground talk, whatever. It's like, that was the thing you'd like talk about, man, this one time did you get, have you ever been to this level? You know, did you ever make it to world eight? You know, those sort of things. It's like, you just, oh yeah. I think that was where I first heard about the, uh, like the whistles and things like that. Like I think, well, besides my parent, like, I think my mom might've showed me the whistle the first time, but it's like the first time I heard a kid tell me the story, he's like, man, you know, this one time I did this one thing and you know, like, you're like, Whoa, mind blown, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was probably his older brother that showed him in anyway, but like, you know, you always retell these stories to benefit yourself. So it was kind of funny just to like, it was, it was, I guess the community was just so much different then. And I know that a lot of these, uh, like you say, Twitch streamers and things like that, they do a good job of trying to build that community again. But man, I, it's hard to recreate that. Like, even hell, we did that even when we worked together. Whereas, like on breaks and lunches and stuff, dude, we talked about video games. That was like our thing. We spent yeah. all day, every day, talking about video games. Like, oh man, did you, you know this one time? Or like, hey, t- tonight t- when we get off, let's go do this, 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 and this. And it's like, all right, man, let's do that. And it's like, it's just amazing. Like, I guess kind of what video games can can bring bring people together. Can uh, kind of you know, I, it's ter- I'm sure it's torn plenty of people apart. But for the most part, it just kind of like. It really builds that solid foundation or at least something that you always have in common. And that's something that like me and my brother, or even when I would go through weird spells where I got into girls or whatever, and I kind of fell out of love with video games, he'd always find a way to rope me back in through those sort of things. And it's kind of amazing that, you know, we're talking about video games that happened that were in 1990, you know, I mean, the, up to, uh, obviously I'm gonna let you talk about, uh, Mario RPG here in just a second, but, uh, and that was released in like the late nineties. So it's like this general, this console lasted a long time, especially for it being, you know, a 16 bit cartridge based game. Like it's kind of amazing, but uh, yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about um, Mario RPG, kind of give me a, give me a kind of rundown of how, what happened there. Just, just to touch on what you just said a little bit there, but in today's time, like if you're playing a story game and you get stuck, you don't know where to go. You just pull out your phone, you YouTube, how to get to blah, blah, blah. And you figure it out and then you just play the game and and that's about it. Like you said, though, back in those days, you know, it was you get stuck on a stage, you go to school, you talk to your homies and maybe somebody's got to that stage and they tell you how to do it. And how video games themselves just make memories and memories is one of these things that people kind of often overlook in human society because we're too busy chasing money or we're chasing success or or fame or women or whatever your poison is. You know, there's a lot of distractions in life. Memories are something that you can't really buy. You know, it's to me, memories is it's a very important part of my life because, you know, those are the things that you look back on and you have positive thoughts, you have negative thoughts, you know, you build from memories. And like you said, you know, talking at work, you know, our friendship is pretty much created off the premises of those memories that we had. That's what got the train rolling for us really to become such good friends. So that part, you know, I'm grateful for video games in that aspect of my life, creating those memories to hold on to. And I'll have those memories, you know, until the day that I die. Whereas children nowadays, you know, they have all this technology, you know, they're coming out, they're playing games that are already on PS5, you know, four-year-olds are on PS5 and Xbox One Series X and PCs and stuff. They got it all and they already know how to go to YouTube. You know what I mean? We didn't have that. So very, very grateful for growing up 
within that uh, generation as well. Kind of having to stand on your own two feet a little bit, figure out how to get hit, how to get the job done. You know, there's wasn't always an answer in your pocket to get you out of trouble. To wrap that up and move on to Super Mario RPG, it was released in 1996, which I'm sure at that point the Nintendo 64 was already out. But Super Mario RPG was the first game I played that was an RPG because I didn't play um, Chrono Trigger, which I, I might get flamed on for that because that's a very, another popular one. And Secret of Mana is another popular RPG. But Super Mario RPG was the first, like, I'm not going to say the first turn-based fighting game, because obviously Final Fantasy kind of claimed that title. But it was the first story game that was deeper than the normal Mario games, because, you know, the Mario games, their story was pretty simple. Princess Peach got her dumbass lost. Bowser kidnapped her. Go get Princess and get your booty. You know what I mean? Super yeah, Mario sure. RPG was an actual, like, story-based driven game. That had a lot of context in it, and it had, you know, equipable, like, pants and shirts and gloves and weapons and that kind of stuff where you could actually build up stats on your character. You know, you had, like, you had attack, defense, and specialty, so, like, how, how much power your uh, special skills did. And it was the Mario characters, you know, so you had that, you know, you had Mario, you had Bowser, you had Peach, um... The character in there named Geno, Mallow, and I think there was someone else there that I missed. I don't know, it's irrelevant. But that game, it was also made by Square, which at the time, I didn't play many games made by Square, because they were kind of too busy doing the uh, Final Fantasy stuff. So it was kind of cool for that collaboration for Nintendo and Square to come together. You know, because obviously Square is king, because they made Final Fantasy. So you take the best... RPG game already on the market and then you pair it with the best selling game on the market which is you know Mario and you mash them together and to me it was a super game um, you know because some of the bigger developers back then was uh, Square Nintendo, Capcom and then you had like these other kind of one-off companies you know that made their individual games like I'm looking at this list now there's like Iguana Entertainment made NBA Jam or uh, Sculpted Software made Mortal Kombat 3, um, Heartbeat made Dragon Quest. You know, some of these games, you know, they're not very known publishers. And then obviously you had Rare, which made Donkey Kong. It, it wasn't like it was today, where you got a million different game developers and three or four game publishers. Yeah, I, well, I think that it gave you a little more, well, I guess not. But it's one of those things where I feel like definitely in that time period, the cool thing was, if you had a good idea, I think that you had an opportunity. And uh, obviously today we have a almost an an influx of too many games, but um, yeah, it's amazing. I never got a chance to play Mario RPG. It, I think had it been released three years earlier, it would have been a huge game. I think that was the unfortunate. I mean, I'm sure it still did okay, but like I said, it, Nintendo 64 was already out. People were already playing, you know, Mario yeah. 64. It was number Anna. it was number nineteen on the, the list of best selling games. It sold two point one million copies. So it still definitely and that, did good. And that that alone is amazing when you think about it. Like you said, it was released in ninety six. This console was six years old. And you gotta think the progress I know that it's it, it doesn't seem like it made a huge progress, but from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety six is a massive I mean, it's not as big as today. Like if you compare two thousand or two thousand and six, two thousand six, two thousand twelve, that sort of stuff. But in terms of technology at that time, like that's a huge leap. 
I mean, PlayStation 1 was already out on a disc. You know what I'm saying? We were already running disc games at this time period. So it, it was huge. Like I said, and it, for it to still do over 2 million sales is amazing. Like that's yeah. something that, like, I, if you had asked me, Chris, how many, how many do you think it sold? I would have been way off because I would have not guessed that many because it's just, it was, and I guess it may have done well just because a lot of these, we were young still. So we didn't get always the newest thing at the time period. You know, now we could, if we wanted to, I guess we could go out and buy any console we want to. Uh, back then, not so much. It was one of those situations where you had to beg your parents or or hope. You know, they did a smart job. They released a lot of these consoles right around Christmas time. Obviously, it'd be kind of foolish to release it in the middle of spring, right? So it's one of those things where it's like they did a good job of releasing it when it needed to be released um, to be as you know successful as possible. Even though they can't seem to make consoles these days, I don't understand that one. Yeah, How you could uh, just the- not make enough. Yeah, just to, to touch up on what you said, you know, about six-year difference. If the SNES, it came out in, what, 92 or 90? It came out in 90. 1990, yeah. Okay. The internet came out. It Well, it didn't come out, but it was a it was made public in 1993. So that was the first yeah. time the internet was available to use for anybody. And at that time, it was only dial-up. I would say the internet probably still didn't even become popular until it, around 96, 98. Or ninety seven, yeah. ninety eight, back when Windows transitioned from Windows ninety five to Windows ninety eight, their operating system. Yeah, I remember in my hometown of getting the internet probably in the early two thousands. I'm sure it was it was there before, but there really wasn't much to do. Like <laughs> it's not like today, right? At the time, you just kind of could watch, it. and and at that time, it was all about you know your dot coms. You, know, you had to own your dot coms. Yeah, and emailing. So it was, it was, it was definitely not what we were used to. The the very late nineties is when a lot of the MMOs started to be built. So yeah, that's when I guess it would have taken off, like you said, in ninety eight. But in my hometown, and what I remember, I didn't remember asking about internet until the uh, probably early two thousands. Yeah, I um, think I think my first experience with internet played game was um, probably Diablo two on PC. Yeah, and mine was EverQuest. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. You know, we've done a pretty good job here on Super Nintendo. I'm sure there's some other games that other people can mention uh, that, that they've enjoyed or played. Uh, a lot of this, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures is another one that was kind of goofy for us as yeah, kids. Yeah, I forgot all about that one. Uh, I got a list here, but, you know, I, I wrote down anything that kind of resembled anything we might know. But yeah, Tiny Toon Adventures, you said it had like a football game. It's hard to remember because I haven't played it probably since I was like six. Like, I, I didn't buy the game. It's probably a game I rented from Blockbuster or something, you know, they used to let you rent it for like four days or five days or something. So, and, and we had school and other things that would go on, so you didn't get to play as much as maybe you'd like to, but anything you remember about Tiny Toons? I don't remember much about the game. I remember the intro stage. You were stuck in the high school, and you had to get away. I remember the train. I remember the minecart after the train. The mini games in between the stages, mainly. I still don't remember the last level. I don't even know if I beat the game, to be honest with you. I probably have, but <laughs> I still have it. Like all these consoles we're talking about today, I still have the original hardware. I still have all my games for them. They're actually sitting on my uh, what's what's that fancy word? Pe- a media console underneath your TV. Oh. Yeah, um, I've done grown up in the world. I'm uppity. <laughs> uh, maybe but, uh, maybe one day we'll have to take some. Uh, we might have to do some speed runs. Yeah, man. Because I've got I got the front loader NES, the top loader NES, the uh, SNES, the 64, the Dreamcast, they're all sitting up there ready to go. <laughs> right, they're hooked up, ready to rock and roll. So 
So you just come <laughs> on over and we'll we'll make this podcast a reality. That's right. Any other parting or uh, final thought processes or any final words about these this generation? I know we lumped technically two generations together with the uh, NES, Super Nintendo, and the Sega Genesis, but unfortunately we didn't have a lot of time with the NES, so it's it's tough to kind of break that generation up because un- and quite frankly, no other real video game console broke through in that generation besides them. There was I'm sure there's plenty we could talk about failed ones one day but uh is there any parting words you could maybe or even just thoughts about this generation of consoles uh about the about the only thing i can i can say that i haven't said already was just i think they 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 were released in a time period that just met really well with my own time period you know i was just the right age when these consoles came out the games the games is just what made the consoles so good Whereas in today's time, the hardware is what makes consoles so good. You know, games in today's time, I don't want to sound like an old man, but all the games now, they've already been done. They're kind of played out. You know what I mean? We're on like the seventh Halo game and the sixth Gears of War game. And the, you know, we're just playing a bunch of sequels. It's very hard for games nowadays to come out with something new and invigorating. Whereas back then, about every game was new and invigorating. Even every Mario game was new and invigorating, and it was still Mario. It was still a sequel, kind of. Yeah, so uh, I guess my parting words would be, like you say, it was it was like the perfect time. These video games and the consoles kind of grew with us, right? Like, in general, specifically talking about like the current like timeline we are on, it's like we age perfectly to kind of grow into each of the consoles as they seem to be released. Kind of amazing when you think about it. But like the pure innocence of a lot of these, obviously you got some crazy ones that were a little more uh, out there, Mortal Kombat and that sort of stuff. But they, they tended to give you just enough, but not too much. Um, for the most part, a lot of this had so much innocence and purity and just, uh, I don't know. They just kind of hit you in the feels, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of amazing, you know, cause like, when I was a kid, all these were like, you know, if you talk to my dad and you've met my dad, if you talk to my dad, he's one of those guys. He's like, ah, that's, that's bullshit. You don't need to be playing that crap. You know, that sort of thing. That's just kind of how my dad is. Yeah. Uh, those are, yeah. those are for kids, you know? And I'm like, dad, I am a kid, you know? So this is like, <laughs> yeah. so this is, parents uh, forget that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, dad, they're, they're made for me. That That's kind of how it is. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just it like you said, it came out perfectly at the right time. I mean, granted, we was a little bit behind the times, at least in this generation. It couldn't have been probably been timed out any better. Uh, it was just like I have so many fond memories of like spending time, and it's not just my brother. You know, I have, I do have a lot of fond memories of playing with my brother. Some with my mom, like I said, she played a lot of video games with us. Uh, she would play Sonic with us as well. I didn't mention that, but I didn't mention she played uh, Bubsy. But uh, we had a lot of fun just. Like like I said, and she loved columns. That was her jam, by the way. Um, we'll get that out there. She loved columns. She'd play the heck out of that game. Of course, it's a puzzle game. So like me, I'm like, Mom, for the love of God, can we play something else? <laughs> I'm over this, you know? I can only watch the darn things fall so many times. But, uh, you know, just the memory, like you said, the memories, is it. That's, if, there's, if there's nothing else, we have that. Like at the end of the day, when we see each other, when you see people you haven't seen in a while, it's not like, hey, what, what are you doing? What did you do yesterday? It's like, do you remember this one time when we did this one thing? You yeah. know, you're talking about memories and things that you did together and like, 
you know, I, I can remember distinctly playing with so many of my, like, I didn't really play with friends really on video games at this time, but like my brother, my cousins, my uncles, you know, my mom. And just like those time periods, like that time in my life, I can, you know, I, I'd go back and do it again. Like if I could, I'd go back and I'd do it again. Like that time period, I was so innocent. So uh, it's such a unique time in the world. It's just amazing. If you made it this far, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Chris and Bud show. This has been our pleasure. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Chris and Bud show one at deliberate 88 and at Bud B 88. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.